Hi, I'm Michael. I'm one of the pastors at Victory, and I'm also the missions director. As a church, we are committed to answer God's call to reach every nation. I hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Hello to our Victory family once again. This is now our third Sunday where we are holding our worship services online. And I believe for many of you, myself included, I long for the day where we can be together again physically, uh, worshiping God, hearing the preaching of the Word, and fellowshipping. Uh, but up until then, let's continue to follow the government's uh, directives and our health officials as well. And let's continue to pray for them and everybody else, the, especially the food distribution, the police, uh, as they do their part you know, to mitigate this, uh, this pandemic. And I believe the Lord will hear our prayers, and sooner than later, we will be able to see each other again. But in the meantime, let's continue to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith through the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. And for this Sunday, we are going to shift gears uh, from our Romans uh, series into our uh, Holy Week series, which is really um, uh, the the next two Sundays, um, uh, which we normally call it uh, the Palm Sunday and, of course, um, Easter or Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we're going to look at uh, these scripture accounts concerning the last week of our Lord Jesus Christ into his suffering and death and his resurrection from the dead. And this is traditionally uh, observed by the Christian church uh, way back, starting in the uh, 3rd and 4th century. This was part of their liturgical calendar. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at two uh, scriptures this week and next week and be encouraged in our faith. And my hope and my prayer is that what we are going to read and reflect upon in, this, in the Word of God is not just history, what Christ did then, but I believe as we allow the Spirit of God to anoint His Word, we will see that the Word of God then will speak to our current situation in a very timely way. And so let's go to the Scriptures right now. Uh, I'd like us to turn to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 19, starting from verse 28 to 44. Let me read it for you. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away sent, went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, 
the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you on, and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Let us pray right now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your words, Lord, for they are spirit and life to us. Lord, your words are able to make us wise even unto salvation. And so we ask that by your spirit, you would anoint the preaching and teaching of your word. Lord, let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. For we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. This passage that we just read uh, is the final week of the life of Jesus before he was going to uh, suffer and die. And really, the last three and a half years where Jesus had been ministering ever since he started preaching, calling his disciples, doing miracles, healings, and preaching about the kingdom of God, it was culminating into this last week. And if you study the book of Luke, you will see that he had really been um, preparing for this as far back as Luke 13. He was setting his mind on going uh, to Jerusalem. And so we find ourselves, as we read this passage, um, seeing this uh, set of circumstances that Jesus finds himself in. And we're going to dissect them, uh, you know, a few verses at a time and learn some of these, uh, some spiritual truths that will help us for our time today. Now, prior to uh, this account that we just read, Jesus had actually just spoken of a parable about this parable, uh, this parable of the ten minas and the land uh, and the noble king who was rejected by the citizens of that place where he was going to be king. And so, in a way, that was, pre- that was preparing the readers to understand that Jesus knew ahead of time that he was going to be rejected in Jerusalem, and yet he still set his mind and his heart to go to Jerusalem. And that's very important for us to see as these things unfold. Now, we read an interesting sidelight, if you will, in this account, and that is, as he was about to enter Jerusalem, he needed a donkey, or a colt, rather, and, which is also a donkey. And here he was asking his disciples to find one that he had already seen, um, I, I believe, in the Spirit, and said, I want you to get this donkey for me because I'm going to need it. Now, what was the significance of that donkey? Well, we will find out in uh, the book of Matthew, a parallel gospel account, that a donkey, uh, if you read that account, you'll find out that Matthew was making reference to a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where a donkey was used by a king when he is entering into a city to bring peace to that city. Uh, in contrast to a horse, which was a, a, a vehicle, if you will, to go into war. So what was the intention of Jesus in riding a colt in a donkey? It was to prophetically fulfill the intention of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring peace to the city of Jerusalem. Of course, a sidelight to this, uh, to this uh, story is the fact that uh, Jesus knew ahead of time whatever it was that he needed, uh, God was going to provide for him. And that's very important for us 
in this season of this pandemic where we're all concerned about, Lord, where we, will, will we have provision for our lives? And what we, will, we can learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, Paul said that God is able to make all grace abound to us so that having all that we need, we will abound in every good work. I believe God wants us to be assured that whatever it is we need, if we focus on the mission that God has called us to do, if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness to be His witnesses in the season of fear and anxiety, I believe God will provide all that we need, okay? Not necessarily all that we want, but all that we need so that having sufficiency in all of these things, we will still continue to do the work of God. So let that be an encouragement to you as well. Now let's go on to the rest of the story. We see that the disciples uh, were rejoicing in His coming because uh, they had seen the miracles that Jesus had done uh, in the last few years, and they knew that He was uh, the promised King of Israel. And, you know, Jesus had performed these miracles as signs and wonders to confirm the preaching of the Word. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is upon you. Repent and believe the good news. And so uh, the disciples had seen all of these miracles. And so they were excited. They knew as they were going to Jerusalem, which is the epicenter of the faith of, uh, you know, the Jewish faith, that this was the very fulfillment of the promise of God to send the Messiah to deliver Israel from their bondage and oppression, particularly from the Roman Empire. And so this was a joyful moment, isn't it? Uh, people were rejoicing, Hosanna in the highest, as it says in another gospel account. But the irony of this uh, narrative is this. While the disciples were rejoicing and cheering, we notice that as Jesus enters Jerusalem, he actually began to weep. That is a, that's something strange, isn't it? While they were rejoicing about him, as the promise of God being fulfilled, yet he himself, as he saw the city of Jerusalem, was weeping and crying. And the word weeping there in the original language, actually, was, he wasn't just being teary-eyed. He was weeping loudly. Humahagulgul po siya nung time na yon. So you can imagine uh, why Jesus, you know, you wonder why, why was Jesus weeping as he saw, you know, the, the wonderful city of Jerusalem. Well, let's go back to what Jesus said. In verse 42, he said this, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now let's reflect upon this passage. I believe, as well as I've reflected on it, I came to three realizations, and I want to share these realizations with you. Uh, this is not just only in this particular text, but also we will include in the latter part uh, the, the remainder of the account uh, of Luke. Okay, so... This is the first of three realizations as we meditate on this passage. Number one is this. Jesus comes to bring peace into our lives. What is peace? Well, in the Greek language, 
this word peace is not so much about tranquility, although that certainly is uh, what we think of as peace, but wholeness, to bind together again after having been separated. I think that's a much richer word for us to think about. Jesus wants, when he said he was going to bring peace, he wanted to bring a wholeness, a binding together again after a separation. What is the implication of that? Well, we know that we can learn from this text that peace, number one, is a gift from God. And that gift comes from being reconciled to Him and walking in faith and obedience to His Word. It means to be in harmony with God. I believe you'll observe this if you think about the time perhaps when you were not yet in walking in relationship with God. Did you have peace then? Did you have harmony? No, I don't think you had, isn't it? See, when you're not walking in faith in obedience to Him, you don't experience His peace. And so what we need to understand then and even today, Jesus wants to, vi- to come and bring peace to us. That's why He visited Jerusalem. You know, ironically, the name Jerusalem means uh, the land of peace. And so He, Jesus, wants to bring peace and wholeness in our lives in this hour of this pandemic, and that comes through our faith and obedience to His Word. The second realization is this. We need to recognize God's time of visitation. The word time in the Greek is kairos or opportune time, as opposed to another term uh, which is translated as time in English, which is chronos or chronological time. I think we're all familiar with the word chronos. That's where we get the word chronology or chronograph. So it means time in general. But the word kairos is an interesting word. It means opportune time or strategic time. It is not just time in general, but a time when something ought to be done. And I've used this example a number of times, and we know we can't do this at the moment, but uh, when you go shopping, isn't it? There is a chronos time to shop, isn't it? Remember those times uh, when... You know, you needed something, uh, uh, you would go to the mall, isn't it? Now, you can go to the mall anytime, but there is a opportune or Kairos time to go shopping in the mall. And when is that? We know it's usually when there's a sale, isn't it? That is a strategic time to go to the mall. Now, the time here that Jesus was referring to is the word Kairos, meaning there is a strategic and opportune time for God to visit people and cities and nations. And that's what we need to understand. What is God wanting for us to learn from His saying, you did not recognize the time of God's visitation. Let me reiterate, there is a timing to God's visitation. Now, of course, the last three years, Jesus had been at work in Galilee, which was really in the outskirts of Judea and Jerusalem. And his work was going on uh, for the last three years. Uh, he wasn't heard much about in Jerusalem. You know, there were these rumors, hey, there's this prophet who's doing all of these miracles. But he was doing something. He, he, there had, he had a purpose. He was training and mentoring his disciples in preparation for the continuation of his work. But we see here, uh, Jesus uh, had been ministering and it was opening the hearts of the people to God. So many people had come to faith in Jesus during this time. 
They, they were seeing he, people being healed, being delivered from demonic bondage. There was the hungers, the hungry were being fed, and of course, the kingdom of God was being taught. As I said, these were meant for people to believe in Him. Yet we know, in the course of the book of Luke at least, there were people who would believe in Him, there were also people who would reject Him. Whether it was the Pharisees, whether it was all these different people who gave excuses in Luke chapter 9, even the rich young ruler, unfortunately, there were those people who rejected uh, Jesus while others believed in Him. And so, what do we learn from this? We learn from this that Jesus was weeping. Why? Because He had been making Himself known, hoping and trusting that people would put their faith in Him. But yet, as we will see, Jerusalem, particularly as a city, rejected Jesus. And He was weeping because He said... The things that would have brought them peace were being hidden from them. Now the question is, what brought about that spiritual blindness on these people? I believe the reason many of the people from Galilee were, uh, in particular, were believing in Jesus is because they were oppressed, they were downtrodden people, they were hopeless, and so it was easy for them to believe. Unfortunately, it wasn't as this, uh, the same as in Jerusalem where, you know, it was, uh, you know, whether it was the religious leaders, it was the center of the Jewish faith, as I said. And there were skeptics, you know, there were people who, uh, you know, looked at him, how can this be a carpenter's son uh, do all of these works? So they really took offense at him because they couldn't accept the fact that how can this simple uh, person be the Messiah as uh, was being revealed already at this time. And so the implication for us is this. Jesus might already be in our midst doing miracles, changing people's lives, and yet we are oblivious to it. I can remember the time when I was, before I came to know Christ, you know, at, during my college days, uh, there were at least two times where somebody shared the gospel with me, but I, w- I wouldn't mind them. I would, in fact, argue with them. But at some point, when I was a single professional, uh, I, I sensed there was a point in time my life was empty, even though I was doing well in my work. And I can remember the time when uh, my boss's insurance agent shared the gospel with me. For some reason, I was open to her message, and I gave my life to Christ right there and then. And then eventually, you know, when I encountered a personal trial, uh, I became more open as well to the gospel. We realize there are certain times in our lives where we become more open. Usually, it's in a time of difficulty and testing and trial where we become more receptive to the gospel. And so the question we want to ask in this moment is, are you able to recognize the Lord's drawing you to Him? Or are you spiritually blinded by the cares of the world or are trapped in the sin that you don't perceive His drawing near to you? This is so important because, as I said, there is a timing to God's visitation. And I strongly believe that in this uh, pandemic that's happening in our midst, I believe the Lord Jesus wants to visit so many of us to bring peace and salvation. And the question is, are you able to recognize His coming and welcome and receive Him? Now, in the coming week, in the next five days, as we continue the observance of the Holy Week, we will have opportunity to to set aside time. You know, we can't go to Baguio, isn't it? We can't go to the beach. But we can have time to uh, reflect and meditate upon the passion of the Christ. 
And I believe as we do that, the Lord wants to, will make him, Himself available and reveal Himself and His mighty work for us and all of our loved ones as we go through the coming days uh, this week. And in fact, we will provide, we'll be providing Bible studies for you so that you can uh, reflect upon these passages uh, succeeding Luke chapter 19. Now, there is a third realization, uh, and it's not necessarily in this passage, but as we uh, read on in the account of Luke, we will know that Jesus, I mean, unfortunately, the Jerusalem, now there's going to be a third realization. It's not necessarily in this passage that we read, but as we continue the story, uh, we will come to that conclusion that, unfortunately, Jerusalem ended up rejecting him. But still, uh, and, and by the way, uh, because Jerusalem rejected Jesus, unfortunately, Jesus' warning did come to pass 40 years later when Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, when the Romans flattened that city in around 70 AD. But this is not the end of the story because as we follow uh, the rest of the book of Luke, we will come to a third realization, and it is this, that the rejection of Jesus was God's preordained way of accomplishing redemption for all people. God is just like that. You know, even when we don't align ourselves with the will of God, God somehow still uses uh, what the enemy meant for evil and turn it into good. Because we know that, you know, in the next few days, can you imagine from cheers, those cheers turned into jeers. The same people who said, you know, Jesus, you know, be our Messiah, were the ones who were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And so as we go in the story, Jesus was going to suffer. He was going to be falsely accused. And he was going to be uh, crucified as a common criminal beside two other men. But in, in, that, in that rejection of Jesus and his unjust suffering and death, that was the very thing that would, that would bring redemption to our lives. What an amazing story. And so let's look upon that in the coming days. However, I do want to make a very important point as we approach uh, particularly Thursday and Friday. As you will recall from the story, uh, the, the night before Jesus was going to suffer, he called the, he called the disciples and said, I want us to observe the Passover meal, as was the tradition of the Israelites ever since they became a nation, uh, about 1,500 years prior to this. And what is the Passover? I believe we're familiar with this, isn't it? Because we all know that from the story of Israel, uh, they were enslaved for 400 years by, by Egypt. And... Uh, in sharp contrast to the promise of God to Abraham that he was going to make them into a great nation. But now here they were slaves. And the people of God cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard their prayers and raised up Moses and brought him back to, to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart, he did not let them go and made things um, more hard, you know, more difficult for them. And finally, after those nine plagues, uh, the Lord told him, this plague that I'm going to bring on the firstborn, Pharaoh is going to finally release you. But I want you to do this. I want you to, 
uh, to take a lamb and kill it at dusk. And I want you to sacrifice it uh, before me and get the blood and apply the blood on the doorposts of your home. And when at midnight, I'm going to strike all the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of the Pharaoh, every firstborn family, a male and every firstborn male, even of the animals. But when I see the blood in the doorposts of your home, I'm going to pass over you so that the angel of death would not destroy you. And uh, as we think about this, you know, they were quarantined, if you will, at that time. They, 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 God told them to stay in their homes. But do something, because I'm going to do one more plague, and this will bring about finally the deliverance and the freedom of the people of Israel. And that was to slay the lamb and apply it on the doorposts of their house. And as we know the story, the angel of death comes. And as the people obeyed uh, Moses' directives, when the angel of death passed uh, on midnight, at midnight, none of the Israelites died. Why? Because they followed and they put their faith in the blood of the lamb that was posted on the, on the door frames of their house that was placed there. And from that time on, you know, of course, Pharaoh let him go, and it's the greatest deliverance story there ever was. Of course, they were still going to cross the Red Sea, and the rest we know. But the point is this. From that time on, the Lord said, this is something you will observe uh, for generations to come. And Jesus, at that time before he was to suffer, observed the Passover meal. And I want you to understand, this was not a coincidence. Because we will know from our theology that what Jesus Christ was going to do was the greater fulfillment of the deliverance of God for all humanity that just as the lamb in Egypt was the Passover sacrifice, so Jesus Christ would be the Passover lamb. And when he would die on the cross, his shed blood would purchase uh, people uh, from their sins and from sin and death. And so what a great deliverance that Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago at the cross. And that is what we will be remembering this coming week. And I believe, and this is so vital, if you will hear this with ears of faith, as we meditate upon Christ and upon His mighty work of deliverance, I believe faith is going to rise up in our hearts. Because if Jesus Christ delivered us from the greatest uh, threat to us, which is sin and death. If Jesus delivered us from this, how much more can Jesus deliver us from this pandemic that is now besetting us? And so let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, use this time to seek God, to pray and cry out and confess, Lord Jesus, be our Passover lamb. Deliver us from our sins. Deliver us from this, uh, from this COVID virus. And I believe as the whole nation and even the rest of the world who observe this will come together in faith. I believe the Lord will hear us. And by faith, after this time, there's going to be a shift in this, uh, you know, in this pandemic. And perhaps we will begin seeing a change. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen instantaneously, but my faith is that somehow things are going to change and in the course of time, we will see the healing of our nation. And so let me encourage you, 
yes, to meditate upon uh, the Word of God. That will provide, as I said, devotional materials. Not only that, we are also going to uh, tell you about a prayer, a concerted prayer we're going to do throughout this week. And it's exciting because there's a new prayer movement that's arisen in America and it's spreading globally. It's called the Unite 714. And they're going to use Second Chronicles 714 as the rallying cry for God healing our nation. And I want to encourage you, let's all participate in this prayer uh, that's going to take place uh, throughout this week and the weeks after. And let's see God bring a deliverance to our nation. Let's pray as we close. Father, thank you so much for uh, your words, Lord. Lord, which uh, you said heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. Lord, 2,000 years ago, you shed your blood, Lord Jesus, on the cross. You are the Passover lamb, Lord, that was uh, sacrificed so that our sins could be forgiven, that we would be uh, delivered, Lord, from the angel of death. Thank you, Lord, that we have already been set free and healed, Lord, and we can continue, Lord, to believe that we have eternal life. But I thank you, Father, that you're the same God that set Israel free, uh, Lord, during the, the, the plagues in Egypt. And so we declare that you are the same Passover lamb who will deliver us from this COVID pandemic. Lord, we believe us. We agree in prayer. You will do a miracle and we're going to see a shift in the coming weeks after this, uh, this prayer of agreement that we have. Thank you, Lord, for being a mighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victory.org.ph to find a church, join a victory group, and give online. Thank you for partnering with us in discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.